Hey everybody, it's Dave Kellett with a quick audio note about today's show. This was recorded live in front of the NCS Fest audience in Huntington Beach, California, and most of the show was captured by the mic'd audio quality of the sound engineer, but the first couple minutes were missed, but it was captured on Brad Geiger's iPhone, thankfully, so it's going to be a bit of a Frankenstein edit there in the first couple of minutes, but after that, it's our normal show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's Comic Lab. I got to do that joke again. I just hit the record button. Uh, listen, every, <laughs> so every, before, before we start, though, before we start, yeah. I, I have to let you guys know you're going to hear a little bit of radio podcast magic, and you're going to know it when you hear it. And I think you'll appreciate where we're going with it. So here we go. All right, everybody, please, if we can have your uh, cooperation, uh, we've got a few seats that are empty here in the front. If yep. you guys can fill in, we've got people in the back. They've been waiting there for like an hour. The we want to make sure. We wanted, we, the fire marshal gave us clearance to bring in an extra two dozen people. So uh, yeah. you can sit up here on the floor. And if you've got a, an empty chair next to you, please raise your hand. Right. That's great. Yeah, okay, good. I see some people there yep, helping to move oh. in. That's great, scooching. Let this guy over the, the corner. Thank you very much. Thank sit, you, sir. Sitting that's on nice laps view. is not uh, beyond the pale here. Sitting no, on we'll laps just to open up a chair. So you're, that's nice. You're and listen, trooper. Uh, these mics are very sensitive. So if everybody could keep their noise levels down, that'll be great. We don't want the volume of the crowd to overwhelm uh, these microphones they're pretty sensitive so what we're aiming for here is that if there is any laughter or any or an applause from the crowd we want it to sound for our podcast like there's only like eight people here right that's so if you could that's do that, the goal if you is, could because we want it to sound as though the walk was 49 minutes to get here and no one was able to make the trek in time right right so, we actually like so we could just ask all 550 of you to just keep it down to mouse levels that would be great yeah and thank you again to the fire marshal jim Big Jim. round of applause. Now, Big listen, round of, no, only eight, eight, of, round you, of, applause, only eight of you applaud. We're going to say just the front row applaud yes, for Jim the for Fire Marshal. For Jim the Fire Marshal. Jim, thank, thank you so you, much. Thank you, Jim. That was great of you. Thank you. Comic Lab. Hey, dude, these people are very, very they're, they're uh, cooperative. So All right, well, we'll go ahead and start the podcast, and I will say hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics. And making a living from comics. My name is Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and cartoonist of Evil Inc. And I'm his friend Dave Kellogg, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon, and co-director of the Comics Critic Copy. Documentary strip, boy, documentary, not an easy boy, word to say. Boy, we, this will be our 73rd show, and you trip over that word almost every time. <laughs> the English language. And this week's Comic Lab podcast is brought to you by our patrons at comiclab.com. <laughs> what? <laughs> After I did that to you, at patreon.com slash comic lab. And Dave, Dave, let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. So first of all, I want to talk about specifically about the NCS Fest that we are all at right now, because... Oh. I have done in my career probably 40, 50 Comic-Cons, I'm guessing. Easily, more than that. Over 20 years, yeah, Yeah. maybe more than that. Um, And this is the first uh, (laughs) comics convention where someone is walking up to your booth in a bikini, and that is an odd, (laughs) you don't normally see that at a show, someone's walking up in a bikini. No, and this this, Dave said the other day, he goes, uh, this will be the first time we have somebody walk up to us in a bikini now, so this will be the first time we've had a comic convention, we want them to walk up in a bikini. (laughs) All the other ones, they were in bikinis, and we didn't, we we don't want to see one more guy dressed up as Slave Leia. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But it's a fun, it's a weird though thing, so far people the response has been lovely here in Huntington Beach, but uh, it is weird at a Comic-Con to try to uh, uh, get someone to pick up a book when they're either going to or from the beach. That is like a consumer experience that no one normally has. Like, let's go to the beach, but Brad, before we get there, how about we get just a couple copies of Harry Potter, okay? Well, we'll take that with us while we're all sandy and wet. The heavier, the better. Yeah, yeah. sure. Can we get the seven-volume set, please? Yeah, and then you're like, and then you realize, you know, this person has no pockets. They have no, they don't have pocket change because they don't have pockets. Yeah, that book is either going in the banana hammock or it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Like and then that's a good time to express your no returns policy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what should we talk about today, Bradley? You had a, you, oh, I know what we want to talk about because this is this is interesting. Brad and I were talking. Brad is staying at my house here in L.A., uh, which, by the way, all of a sudden my whiskey is missing in my house. I have no idea where it went. <laughs> I'm not a big whiskey have, drinker, and Brad, suddenly it's gone. I don't know what happened. Dave used to have a very good store of whiskey. Used ah, to. Sorry, missed time sip of Thank water you there. So sorry much about for that. Jumping that was, right in on yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. Um, but uh, Brad and I started talking about the history of webcomics, of which we have uh, walked that path for about 15, 20 years now. 
And you said something very interesting about what has changed over the last 15, 20 years. And I wanted you to repeat that, if you yeah. would. Yeah, well, because it's been really interesting, especially talking to younger people now, mm -hmm. as I've been doing. Is, you know, I've got the question, how has webcomics changed? And I started thinking about the answer. And the answer is actually pretty fascinating, because what happened is we've done a complete cycle and a half. When webcomics started, all of the web was unified. It was it was condensed. It was AOL. Everybody got those CDs and DVDs in the mail. They put them on their computer. All of the web was segregated to one thing, and that's where everything was. And even after the explosion of 2000, when you had people realizing that there was a wider web beyond AOL, it was still condensed. It was Keen Spot. It was Modern Tales. It was uh, these people Web that... Web rings, basically. Yes, yes. And it was these people that were trying to recreate what they saw in syndicated comics. Right. Then there was a huge explosion when all, all of a sudden people realized, I can do, run my own website. I can do this myself. Then it became decentralized. So we have a whole period of time when web comics, through about 2005... Uh, up until maybe 2015, a good 10 years there, all of the web comics are decentralized. They're all running their own show. Now we're coming into a place where it's becoming centralized again. Because where is everybody? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Imager, and, uh, well, it used to be Tumblr, but not, not anymore. Uh, but now it's centralized again. We're coming into another place of centralized comics. We've done a complete circle. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought that was a really good point because I, in, when we were talking about it, I was focusing more on how a cartoonist um, reaches their audience and makes a living from that. And Brad was more interested in the platforms and the means yeah. of how... And I thought, I, because I was more focusing on the fact that when we started... It was all kind of a lark. We were like, all of us wanted to get into print. This is 98, 99, 2000, um, because that's still where you made a living. And so web comics were the lark until someone tapped us on the shoulder and said, now you are with Marvel, now you are with a syndicate, now you are with the you know, Milwaukee Press Journal or whatever it is. Uh, and so uh, then it became around 2007, the way I was looking at it, was suddenly this weird income thing started to happen where we could sell t-shirts or ads a little bit started to mm -hmm, trickle in. Mm -hmm. And then the ad money got crazy stupid for about five to seven years there, where it was, it was honestly ridiculous how, how much money could be made on advertising. Then almost overnight between oh. block, uh, ad blockers and all that sort of stuff, yeah. and frankly, our own distrust of advertising networks because viruses and the like, uh, Trojans where we're getting in there, uh, that disappeared. And at the same time, Kickstarter and Patreon started to arise. And so for me, I was focused much more on the change of webcomics in how that came about. And it was interesting to me that he had what I thought was the more interesting angle of yeah. how the platforms and the centralization, the decentralization has changed over the years. I thought it was more interesting too. And <laughs> <laughs> speaking of cycles, we've got to share something that Jake Parker shared with us the other day. Uh, and, and it really blew my mind because we got talking. Uh, Jake, uh, when we did, has everybody heard the show about artisanal success? All yeah, right, yeah. if you know what I'm talking about. As that show had been released, Jake was driving to Emerald City Comic Con to hang out with Dave and, and do the show. And he calls me up and he says, I'm yelling in my car. I figured I'd yell along with you. And I said, hey, yeah, thanks. You're in good company because I'm, I'm still brewing over it. And he says, the thing that these people don't understand, and it was such a great comment, and I've got to credit it to him. He goes, Vanity Press is the new publishing, and publishing is the new Vanity Press. Vanity Press used to be where you went when a, when a publisher wouldn't accept you. Wouldn't you went you. to Vanity Press because they'd accept anybody, and you didn't make any money, but you could call yourself published, okay? And, of, of course, publishing was publishing. You know, Houghton Mifflin and... and, and uh, Simon Schuster, Penguin, so on and so forth. Random Penguin. House. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, speaking of cycles, it's flipped. Now, if you want to make money in publishing, my opinion is very solid that you, you are a self-publisher. That's where the money is to be made in publishing. And, and the people that go to publishers, that's more like Vanity Press. That's where you go when you feel the need to call yourself an author. The money's not so great, but you can call yourself an author. And, and Jake, as he came on to a recent show, said he's turned down six-figure uh, book deals because he realized he can do better using Kickstarter and independent production. 
And uh, so that's another big way that this whole thing has changed over the last, and it's been 20 years yeah. since we've been doing this, right. is that now Vanity Press is publishing, and publishing is Vanity Press. That, to me, was like a light bulb moment going off, because I hadn't realized how much had changed in the 20 years of my own career, because when I was starting, Vanity Press was like, oh, my husband and I, we produce uh, comics out of Vermont, or, or you know, uh, self-help books about woodworking, and that was Vanity Press. You know, right. you, pr you produced a few hundred, a few thousand copies, and you sold them at art fairs or whatever, right? Well, like, the, it, like the old Plan 9 publishing, if anybody goes back that far. Yeah, yeah. He had the equipment set up in his basement, he was making these books himself, binding them and putting right. them out. The sort of, uh, you know, vanity press that we would think of from the 70s, 80s, maybe even into the early 90s. But to, to Jake's point, it was, it was kind of an amazing moment of, of light bulb going off for me because I had not th thought that the pendulum had swung that far. Right. And I kind of think it's true because I have a couple of uh, actor and stand-up comedian friends and they've sold books to one to Penguin, one to Random House, uh, or no, Hachette. And it was like a $10,000 advance, and that was it. Because yeah. you're never going to pay off the advance and, and the, the sort of royal, the, you know, the, the pre-royalties that you have to pay off to get to eventual royalties. Uh, and I was amazed that these were well-produced, well-marketed, well-selling books, and that was it. They, they had worked on this book for two years, and then that was a $10,000 paycheck. And yet, I, we have people like Jake that are kickstarting a book and doing gangbuster six figures. You and know, going that, into six-figure Kickstarter right. money, which uh, obviously that's not all profit, but what, that, what does happen with that is that the book that is produced, now you've got the extra books, you put those into distribution, you start out uh, in profit mode on your book, and now you've got books in distribution, you've got books to sell yourself, and you're just making more profit. You've, you've basically given yourself your own advance, and you're already making right. royalty payments to yourself. And because our small community of cartoonists talk to one another, we have all sort of uh, wormed out the printers that Random House, Scholastic, Image, DC, and Marvel use. Yeah. And so we go to those same printers in Canada, the US, Mexico, and China and say, hey, we'd like to produce this Kickstarter book. I want it to look better than that DC book or that Random House book. And you do it. And it's so... Uh, the question is, which is the, the better quality book? Which is the better path for the author? And I think you're right. I think the Vanity Press now is wanting to have the knight on each, or, you know, the sword from the king on each shoulder of the, of the print house. You know, uh, that's the vanity move. Uh, and so anyway, not to dwell on it, but I just thought that was a light, light bulb moment for me because I had never thought about it that way before, before Jake said it. Well, and it's all about validation. Yeah. That's yeah. the word you're looking for is validation. And so many of us as cartoonists are looking for validation externally. And I'm going to tell you right now, one of the secrets I think to success, and uh, speaking of success, we should talk about what success is because nobody talks about that topic. But part of true success is learning to find that validation from inside and from different marker posts. I don't need that guy over there to tell me that I'm a cartoonist to validate me. Right. I don't need a publisher to validate me. I don't need a syndicate to validate me. I can validate myself by knowing that I've made my mortgage payment this month. Right. And right. I did it doing things that bring me joy. I think you had a definition of success one time, that success in your cartooning is anything that gets you to the next year of cartooning. Right. And I think that was a really nice way to look at it because uh, to Brad's earlier point of that, you know, your career is a continuum. And if you can just keep going, different little, you know, landmark moments where you can plant a flag and go, that was great, and we're moving on. You know, we're, you're, yeah. you're getting through to the next year, and I think that's a helpful way. So even if you're maintaining the day job and doing what you can with comics so that you can do it in 2020, 2021, 2022, there's something sort of beautiful about that, you know? Right. Uh, anyway, the other thing I wanted to bring up today, and this is a little bit changing topics, but it also gets us to what success is. So I was on a panel yesterday with uh, two of arguably the best comics uh, creators in France, <laughs> and uh, they're here this weekend. By the way, some amazing world-class uh, French and Belgian cartoonists here this weekend. Uh, they do not often get to the United States, so I say this as an American cartoonist, go see them. They are a unique and amazing uh, thing to have in an American show, so definitely go see them this weekend. Anyway, we are on the panel, and we were talking about... Um, fan-driven uh, distributed fundraising, like Patreon, Kickstarter, that sort of thing. And we were talking about how, how uh, both generous it is, supportive it is, amazing it is, and um, what a unique and fulfilling way it is to build a career off of that, because it is 
um, a, a shared moment of, we're going to create this together. Anyway, in the context of talking about Patreon and Kickstarter, uh, I asked the French, I said, what is it like in France? Because the French have a wonderful tradition of producing these tall hardcovers that they call albums in France and Belgium. Uh, and they are beautiful, they are slick, the printing is, oh, it's like chef's kiss, it's so good. And, um, uh, but as an American, I always suspected that the French aren't really making a go of it. Like the books are beautiful and the publishing houses are lovely. But whenever I talk to a French cartoonist, I'm always like, are you living under a bridge? Because I feel like you're living under a bridge. Are you living under a bridge? Uh, anyway, so the French were talking about how Kickstarter and Patreon haven't taken off in France and in Belgium for the same reason that the ad-supported model didn't take off for French and Belgian webcomics, which was because the audiences got pissed off when, that when it was seen that the artists were trying to make a capitalist move and make a living for themselves by putting ads on their website. And like, well, the state is supporting you for you know, 10,000 euros a year. The state is supporting you. Why are you doing this like, capitalist push for advertising? Why are you doing this capitalist push for Patreon and Kickstarter? And so the support is non-existent in France and Belgium. And I said to Brad after that panel, A, that's fascinating. Right. And then B, the takeaway for me is for all of our complaints about the American-Canadian model of, of uh, comics publishing and printing, thank God we don't have that. Like, thank, that is unique. That thank, we have, Americans and Canadians will support artists, and they don't mind when an artist is making a living, for God's sake. Yeah. It's not offensive to them. They're like, oh, I'd like to buy food this week. So I, that was an amazing takeaway. Like, we, so often, you know, we denigrate, oh, diamonds in bad shape. Comics are in bad shape. Distribution is in bad shape. Mm. Comic book shops are in bad shape. Uh, the one thing I cannot say is, comic book readers, comic book fans are not in bad shape in the U.S. and Canada. Not at all. If anything, so I don't know if you all are aware of this, uh, this data point, and I'm sorry if I'm not letting you get a word in it. But Kickstarter last year grew 25% in the comics category. And to me, that is amazing. Yeah. DC and Marvel, a little bit, not doing so great, uh, in the publishing realm, but Kickstarter's up 25%. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Yeah. Because those are voices that you never heard from before in comics. Minorities. Um, uh, uh, women. The, the, uh, way more women. <laughs> and it's wonderful because you're getting stories, you're getting perspectives, you're getting angles that you didn't get out of the big two for decades. You know, you were stuck with tights and capes. LGBTQ community. Um, amazing. All of a yeah, absolutely. And so now you've got voices heard that hadn't been heard before. And it's all independent comics. It's all these people that are doing it like we're all doing it, right? It's, right? it's the independent voices that are coming out that are making the comic scene so much richer and so much more, you know, valuable yeah. to a consumer. Uh, yeah, you're right. I sat there and listened yesterday to that uh, panel, and I'm like, oh, God, thank God I'm not French. Yeah, because my takeaway was... i cigarettes backwards. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> I got to learn all the words to Alouette. <laughs> even like croissant that much. Wait, how did you say that word? Croissant. I, I actually pronounce it right. It, it's croissant. 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 Can I tell you a fun fact about me? I think I've told you this before. Probably. Uh, my wife and I have traveled to Paris twice, and I love uh, ham and cheese croissant, and maybe there's a French speaker in the audience. It's like the one thing that I, oh, I love that, and I will, uh, you know, you walk by a bread bakery place in Paris like every two steps, and so whenever I pop in, I try in my own sad, humble way to order it in French. <laughs> You know, like, s'il vous plaît, un croissant, a habon, s'il vous plaît, or whatever. I, I, anyway, however... <laughs> Hello! Hello! No, but I try to pronounce it in French, uh, and I can't do it because every time I try to order a ham and cheese croissant, they bring to my table an almond croissant, and I don't like almonds, but I'm too shy and humble to be like, I didn't order this, so I just eat a shitty croissant that I don't like because I can't, clearly can't order ham and cheese croissant. <laughs> Almond, I, I get it. Almond eggs, it sounds like ham it, and it eggs. It literally is my own humble pie. I have to eat that <laughs> humble pie every time. I'll just eat this damn almond croissant that I don't like almonds. This have you terrible. ever thought about, now if you go to Paris the third time, you should go in and order an almond croissant and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta play the curve. <laughs> they just, they just on a leash from the back, just bring out a cow. I'm like, what did I order? What, is it? what am I doing with oh, friends? Yeah, you could do the ham and egg croissant. Okay, here's what I want. <laughs> croissant. That would probably ham work. and egg. I just don't, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just don't want to be the ugly American coming in going. Excuse me, I want a croissant with ham and cheese. Can you give me a croissant? So I was trying French, and it never pays off. Manager, but let me speak to the manager. <laughs> 
But anyway, the, 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 the crux of the end of that conversation that you and I had was that uh, I am profoundly optimistic about the future oh, of comics. Yeah. I, and I don't know that I would have said that 15 years ago. No, not so much. And I, I'm not optimistic about Diamond. No. I'm not optimistic. I don't know if you know that Baker and Taylor, the other big distributor of books in the U.S., there are two, Ingram and Baker and Taylor. And Baker and Taylor, after decades in business, just folded last week. So now they have the same problem in books that comics have with Diamond Comics, which is, you know, there's only been one distributor in comic book shops for the last so God. 15, 20 years. Yeah. And it's been ruinous for the business. And now all books have that problem in the U.S. There's only one major distributor left, Ingram. And so you're going to start to see more and more weird monopolistic and basically channel-reducing um, uh, things happen in book publishing because you're going to get less and less voices into publishing. And it's a shame, but I don't feel optimistic for that avenue of comics, but I feel very optimistic about the indie direct-to-readers, audience-to-artists interaction that our careers kind of have, you know? I kind of disagree. I, that oh, the, okay. that whole Ingram-Baker-Taylor thing doesn't affect me at all because, again, that means that I can't get into bookstores and I've been thriving. No, not I just getting, said it doesn't affect us. That's why that's, I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying Grandpa, is that... Grandpa, oh, hold on. I'm, <laughs> is this the good ear? I don't... <laughs> I got you on my good side for once. No, but I'm... I, okay, so then I'll, I'll agree with you and underline it even further is that as long as we can get our stuff to Amazon... Yeah. As we do, yeah. then we're going to do fine. We don't need any of them. As long as we can, we, and, and I, I'm doing direct uh, through Amazon Advantage, I'm putting stuff directly onto Amazon with no middleman. I do do st things through Diamond still that gets it onto Amazon. Uh, but as long as I've got that, right. my business is going to be fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted to mention, by the way, that uh, I don't know if there's a mic in the audience. There's not. But uh, at, at some point towards the end, I, if there's any questions, you can sort of let us know with a little wave of a hand if anyone has questions. We can leave some time at the end. Yeah. But if not, we'll just sort of talk about the, the state of comics, which the, the panel yesterday and in general the conversation has sort of stirred within us. Yeah. Well, now let me ask you this. What has you pessimistic about indie comics, not, not Marvel, not DC, not Image? I'll tell you, the, the only thing that troubles me, okay. the only thing that troubles me, I wouldn't say pessimism, but the only thing that troubles me is that the one constant in webcomics has been change. So we, we've, we, again, with those cycles that I was talking about, we've had to learn and then relearn and then relearn so many business models. We've had to make things up as we go along so many times. And we're nearing the end. Like right now, we're in the crowdfunding age nearing of webcomics. Nearing the end of what? Wait a minute. Finish we're, that sentence. We're nearing, well, oh. we're, we're nearing the it's middle. It's the end of the road. <laughs> I've had a good run. <laughs> we're at least in the middle of crowdfunding. At some point, crowdfunding, too, is going to cycle out. Oh. And we're going to have to find like some... Like a fatigue, do you think? Or uh, I don't know. Or, or maybe there's, there's 110 things that could change in America. Business things. Or, tax or things. Tax yeah. or legal or yeah. shipping or any number of things right. that could make crowdfunding not great. You know, I, even the fact that uh, net neutrality is now no, no more. That could come around. And I have am worried about net neutrality having been removed. Yeah, and that could actually affect us in terms of crowdfunding. Right. So, uh, I, what's going to happen eventually, inevitably, is that this too shall pass, and we are going to have to make something up as we go along yet again. And you and I have done that conceivably three different points significantly, three different points along our careers, and. Uh, that was great when we were 30, and that was doable when we were, when we were 40. Right. But we're getting to the point now, like already when people talk to me about things like Instagram and forget about it, Snapchat, uh, I'm already at that point where I don't know how to connect. And making things up as we go along is going to be tougher now that we're in our 50s and, and beyond. Right. We're going to, and, and, and you don't I, want to seem like Grandpa trying to sing, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Like, right. You don't want to be on, on Instagram like, hey, look at me, I'm dancing. For the, <laughs> is this what the kids yeah. like? You yeah. Know, yeah. So, so it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge as we get older to, to not get thrown from the bowl. Right. But thrown from the bowl? Like a, like a rodeo guy. Like a, oh, from the bull. I think you said thrown from the bowl. Not <laughs> from the bowl. Thrown from the bull. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. What makes me pessimistic is two things uh, that I have kind of a slow-boiling nervousness about the future. Um, one is 
for all the faults of the U.S. postal system, the one thing that's been amazing is a 150-year tradition that media mail, the idea of the democratizing effect yeah. of literature getting out to people, has been a postal rate. And I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with media mail, but uh, in the U.S., if it costs me, uh, I don't know, $10 to send you a two-pound package, media mail, it costs me $2 to send you that two-pound package. Because the idea is both the federal government and the U.S. Postal Service have decided that it's good for a democracy if we can get books to one another, if we can get pamphlets to one another, if we can get magazines to one another. Um, and there's truth to that, right? That, like, that, that was an amazing aspect of both uh, the, the westward trans migration and all that sort of thing, that you could continue to learn by post uh, through media mail. Uh, so anyway, the one thing that's great on the horizon is that cartoonists can still continue to sell books at a media mail rate because it's very easy to pick up a book, $10 book, $2 shipping, bada bing, bada boom, you're out, right? Yeah. It's impossible now for a web cartoonist of any stripe to ship internationally. If I try to send that oh. two-pound book to Australia, and I'm not joking about this, $45 to ship that to Australia. Yeah. So for someone whose audience is global, I have 20 to 30% of my audience that I cannot get a book to because, and I cannot blame them, who wants to spend 45 bucks to ship a $30 book to Brisbane or, or you know, Sydney or something? Like, that's ridiculous. And the right. same is becoming true with Western Europe and with uh, even Canada Post is terrible. Like, it's cheaper for me to ship a book to Alaska than it is to ship it to the Canadian border right. just because Canada Post is so bad. So I have a small, both a sadness and a nervousness about that because that's been a lovely way for cartoonists to connect with their readers around the world. And then the other one is actually net neutrality because they're wise in that they're not going to flip the switch tomorrow. They're going to slowly raise the boil like a lobster in a pot. Right. That's, that's the perfect. Comcast and yes. Verizon know what yes. they're doing. They got the law passed first, and then they're slowly going to throttle fees so that it's going to really become untenable to be a web cartoonist. We're going to eventually have to go to some hosting system, and that's going to suck. The only good thing about, the only advantage we've got as web cartoonists, we're not going to be affected quite as soon as streaming media will. That yeah. stuff is going to take a hit. Video but see, here's the deal. We came up, we made our bones back in the day when we had to worry about bandwidth, when somebody's monitor was 800 by 600. We, that's where we learned our publishing. Right. And we can go back to that. We can go back to making a GIF that has a certain, you know, like, like 256 colors. We can yeah. go back to really, really making these images uh, lean and Yeah, mean. we can make those GIFs small again. Yeah, we yeah. really can. The GIFs, yeah. The GIFs. The, oh, God. Don't tell me you're a GIF guy. You're, we, you said GIF first, so I said GIF just oh, to get your goat. Oh, well, I didn't know Are what you a I, GIF or a GIF person? Let me say, uh, hold on. JPEG, PNG, GIF. So I'm a GIF guy. Ah, all right. It wasn't meant to be. Anyway, this has been a lovely podcast. Thank you for this coming is a, to the last one This is going to be our ever. last show. This is, this is the, it's lovely to have you here for this. That's great. Uh, no, uh, that doesn't matter. But yes, so we can strip it back down again. Where yes, the website's we bare bones. The, the, we'll, we'll reduce a lot of data in our images and get that, that cheap again. Yeah. Take all that crap and off our websites that we've got of the archives on right off. So yep. it's, yeah. And then so, turn those archives, which is something that I've been advocating for a long time and, and haven't been uh, able to do it yet, but take those archives, make those Patreon rewards. Because, again, the power of webcomics used to be if you could build up a big archive, you could make a lot of money in advertising because even through incidental hits that those those archives were building a lot of ad revenue we don't have that anymore i've got an ad, i've got an archive of thousands and thousands of comics that used to make me money that don't anymore i've got to find a way to monetize those one of the ways that i've done it recently is by re-releasing all that archive stuff on social media particularly instagram so I'll take all those old Greystone Inn comics from 2000 and the early Evil Ink comics, re-release those as a way of building up uh, Instagram where I can see some real significant uh, growth potential. Right. Uh, but that's still not making money. At some point, all of those archives, from Greystone Inn, Courting Disaster, the early Evil Ink, all that's going to go behind a Patreon uh, paywall and it'll be like a $2 a month thing, which is peanuts, but I've got to find a way to monetize those archives again because right now they're, they're costing me money instead right. of making me money. Right, right. And so at some point that and, – and when Patreon released its API, made it possible for you to put paywalls up uh, – uh, Patreon paywalls up on your WordPress site, then the flip was uh, – you know, the flip was switched or the switch was flipped – 
Then you we, got there. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to zero in on it. We we then we cross the threshold, and and I've got I've I've got a site just waiting to go. I'm just scared to because I don't I don't know exactly how it's going to work. Right. And I've literally got somebody waiting for me to say I, they've got the site all set up. I haven't told you about this. The site is set up. I just got to tell them to push the button. And why haven't you? Uh, I, I don't I I don't trust that it's set up completely right. And I don't know how to check it for myself. I haven't sandboxed it completely. Yeah, so that was going to be my suggestion, is why don't you sandbox it and just make a duplicate and yeah. have a slightly different URL for a and, while. And or... partially it's been time. It's been, this is, this is something that's important, but I, I needed to prioritize. And right now my priority has been getting my assistant up and, and up to speed. Right. And once she's completely up to speed, uh, then I can start to use that time that she's saving me and do some of those things that were lower priority things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so speaking of assistant, this is a topic that you and I have never talked about, but uh, this would be fun for the show. I'm going to spring this on you completely uh, unexpectedly. You know how the Japanese work in a, um, I don't what's the name of the Japanese? Mangaka. Mangaka system, where you'll have the head artist, uh, who often is doing the penciling, the lead assistant will do the inking, uh, or or at least some of the background inking, if 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 the if the lead artist does not do the inking themselves, and then you'll have various sort of almost intern level or you know just out of school kind of level assistants that are actually those would be the people that would do the background inking of like you know the buildings, the trees, all the stuff in the background, the speed lines of something. Yeah. And then you'll have um, uh, the lowest level of assistant that does the cleanup work. What is your opinion about that in the American model? Could that be made to work oh, for, for like web comics and independent cartoonists? Because I love the idea of a gilded system yeah. in the sense of like, yes, you're employing them, but you're also teaching them how to become a cartoonist for I'm, their own. I, I, I mean, when you think about it, we're already doing a variation of that. In yeah. other words, like we, both of us uh, work with a colorist. Yeah. So, so we've got somebody coming in at that point. Right. Uh, and I, since I started teaching at University of the Arts, they're always looking for uh, uh, internships to place students at so that they can get college credit. It's basically like yeah, I'm doing another class without being paid for it because they say, oh, can you take this intern for a semester? And so like right now for the summer, I'm bringing an intern in and she's going to start drawing backgrounds. Oh, I'm really? Set, yeah. Oh, wow. <clears throat> set her so up you with, literally are. That's, I'm glad I brought this up then. Yeah. Okay, so you, you're you going to have her doing the, 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 the ancillary stuff in the back. Because it's great. the stuff that I always need. Are you going to have her... I'm sorry to touch you, but are you, gonna, are you going to... Now I'm, now I'm here. I've made the commitment now. I'm not leaving. <laughs> this hand is staying on this, this shoulder. Back. Mainly because you're sweaty and I can't pull it off. Uh, so... Uh, uh, now that you've made this decision, are you going to sit down with them and be like, first we're going to do a little a little uh, experimentation. I'd like you to try to mimic my style as best you can. Is that what you're going to do? Well, or are you going to say, have fun with it? I do a tree this way, but maybe you would like to do a tree that... I know that's a stupid example, but I do trees this way. Maybe you'd like to do your own trees. Since the backgrounds aren't very stylistic to begin with, right. like they're, they're, there's not a whole lot of line variation. They're fairly flat. Like that. You know, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not gonna, I, don't, I don't know that uh, I'm going to necessarily do that. But I'm going to say, okay, give me like a real nice horizontal scene, like a living room, you know, Ed, that goes into a kitchen or something like that. Just something that's horizontal and I can use moving back and forth uh, in oh, different I situations. See. She's going to be doing like an the animated. pre-prepared like cell yes. background. And, and then, I and then can you can position your forth. characters. Aren't you a clever little duck? Yeah, and I want to get as much out of this as I can get. Yeah. I've only got her for a couple months. So it's wow. like, so I'm going to say, okay, now do a, a spaceship hallway. Give me a, because I do some sci-fi stuff. <laughs> I like the idea that you're just assigning things like, oh, what do I need? A McDonald's bathroom. Do me a McDonald's. Yes. Uh, what yes. else? A, a park setting, but only in Holland. I want the really specific, <laughs> just like ridiculous backgrounds that you'll never use. Yeah. yeah. But all this stuff that, that comes up, and I can put it in a Clip Studio Paint into a uh, image library. Yeah. And then, pull it out like if i do need a bathroom if i do need a hallway if i do need a closet you know then she will have drawn that and and i'll have that ready to go and that's what slows me down so much on the comics i'm doing now right is the backgrounds so if i can build up a solid library and then if that works out i'll bring the next person in and the next person in and just cycle through these internships yeah and at the same time they're kind of come into the studio they're going to be there when i'm running kickstarters they're going to be there when i'm doing patreon and they they'll be 
led right along because I'll be doing, I, you know, I, I can't have somebody in my studio and not talk to them. Right. I've tried. It doesn't work out. <laughs> you got to talk to them. Otherwise, they get, you know, nervous if you're just, you know, pacing back and forth, staring at it's them. It's called basic human contact, yeah, Brad. I know. Basic I, human contact. I'm not good at <laughs> it. And again, I touch you just to make you uncomfortable. I touch you. Oh, by the way, you get to see one of my favorite Bradisms right here in person. Brad, like an old Southern belle, does this when he laughs. And you don't get to see this on the podcast, but it kills me whenever I get Brad to do this because it's almost like, I declare, oh, Colonel, we are having some weather. Oh, Lord and Lord, the vapors. And it's not just that the hand goes like this. He has this dramatic like flare out of the hand and it comes in and then it holds his chest for a minute. Oh, I will have that mint julep. Yes, please. And... It kills me whenever we're hanging out, and I so rarely get to see you physically. That, oh, when you do it, I, I declare it does give me a little sense of trepidation. When you, you get a little oh, bit of the. Now I'm so, I've got to sit on I my hands. I need to sit on that hand so it doesn't do it. God, it kills me, though. It's so funny. Because here's this man, grown man's like, oh, well, that was quite the joke that you just made. Uh, anyway, so I'm glad you all get to see that. And now, during the, the remaining uh, 20 minutes where we are, that we're here, I want you to, because he's going to forget that we've just made this joke. So about five minutes from now, I'm going to say something about like, and when they landed the airplane, everyone was fine, and he'll go, oh, that's amazing. Anyway, uh, so uh, what we got? I totally lost track. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. So basic some, human contact. Basic human contact. No. That is important. But uh, I want to tell you something that may surprise you, and I have never thought about this until you brought this up. I think one of my favorite things to draw is backgrounds. Oh, no, not me. I hate backgrounds. Can I tell you why I think it's my favorite? Tell I keep me touching why you. you. Uh, I, my, I think my favorite reason, my favorite reason, I think my reason for that being my favorite is the pressure is off, you know? It's oh. not the central focal point of the comic. The, the, the nuances of a glance... The, the intricacies of a specific facial reaction or tick that you're trying to capture in yeah. that instant, that to me is the stress point. Because especially when I'm working in ink with Sheldon, if I flub that, I'm like... <laughs> you know, but on a background... It's a tree. And for me, anyway, with Sheldon, and now I'm doing it. Uh, <laughs> I know you did it twice. Did no, I? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Colonel. <laughs> I'm rubbing I, off I had a reaction to my own statement. Oh, I do declare. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> this podcast is going to make no sense because I, I can't describe your physical motion on a podcast. It's just Brad's hand going to his chest. Anyway, um, uh, I think because the pressure's off when you're doing a background. You know, for me, it literally is like a Bob Ross happy little tree oh. or a gently sloping grass in, in Sheldon. And You've that's got pleasant a as good hell. Attitude. Or a little pond. You've got a good attitude. I mean, no, this, your attitude makes all the difference. And, that, and I've got the wrong attitude when I'm doing well, I'm like, no. okay, this is Can drudgery because there's nothing in a... I've got to draw a refrigerator. What do I care about a refrigerator? I'm, I'm going to tell you why that's not a bad attitude because you're not drawing organics. You're drawing yeah. mechanicals yeah. and you're and I, drawing skyscrapers. There's, it's like... That's like drawing a row of bicycles. It's yeah. like no artist wants to sit there and draw a skyscraper. Like window, 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 window. A little bit so of cement. Easy. Window, window, screw window. It up. If one of them's too far oh, over, mine, you can screw mine always it up. looks like a left-hander drawing the, the, for a guy that got hit with a cement bar yeah. on the forehead. It's That's like, why you know, Jake Parker's saying, oh, I love drawing mechanical. I'm like, nah, I love drawing mechanical. <laughs> Somehow, though, Jake Parker, and for those of you that know Jake Parker, Jake makes or, uh, mechanics feel organic. He kind of does, yeah. You know they feel uh, you feel the the age and the weather of a machine when you look at one of Jake's drawings. Uh, were you checking the time there? Yeah. Aren't we professional? What time did we start? I was trying to do that so I wouldn't break up your flow. But do, do you guys remember what time this? Did we start at eleven thirty or twelve? We started at twelve. We well, started at twelve. Okay. We started at twelve oh one. Well, now honestly, now we're that we're in the in the final draft. I'll keep talking, but if anybody has a question, by all means chime in, and we would love to answer it. Honest uh, to God, Dave, who's going to kick us out? We lost our sound crew around twelve fifteen. Sound crew left. They're, they just got up and, and walked out in disgust. That's you didn't amazing. The, you didn't see the looks on their faces. They're both they French. Were like, That's they, why <laughs> they were holding their cigarettes backwards. They're living <laughs> under the Eiffel Tower. But yeah, so one of the reasons why I like drawing uh, backgrounds is because the the pressure is off. It's, it's it's yeah. like that, and really, that what that tells me. <laughs> you hovered there for a minute. I'm like, just go for the shoulder. It's uh, you there know, for you. That, that's right. Uh, 
wouldn't it be amazing as artists, though, if we could all give ourselves that release for the main central thing we're trying to draw? How yeah. do we capture that? Oh, what is that's the, what a good is the mental question. game you have to play to let yourself go, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. There's no pressure. That's just, a weird. Just land the airplane. No big deal. Yeah. Because that's what you're kind of trying to tell yourself. I got to land the airplane. I got to land the airplane. And it's not, that's not a fun moment for a pilot. The fun moment for a pilot is doing wee and doing loop de loops. We're going to have a little turbulence. <laughs> quack, quack, quack. Yeah. So, but how do, you, how do you, as an artist, play the mental game that gets you to a place where the hardest thing you have to draw becomes fun. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know it happens every now and again. And I'll and, and I call it being in the zone because it's the closest and I'll ever coined be to that being phrase, in, in the zone. That's well, yours. It's the closest, That's a Brad Geiger phrase. It's the closest I'll ever be to being an athlete. <laughs> I just love the way you Stay said back, that like kids, I'm in the zone. <laughs> I'm in the zone. Uh, so okay, you call it in the zone like you're yeah, enjoying it. Like all of a clicking. sudden now everything that I'm doing is enjoyable. Like the drudgery is enjoyable. Yeah. Everything is like putting ink on paper, putting pixels on screen is enjoyable. And and there's like a weird little OCD that you get. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, I want to do nothing but this forever and ever. And it, in the zone usually lasts for maybe an hour or two. And then it's like, okay, maybe forever is a little bit long. You're speaking the truth and I'll tell you why, because uh, uh, the opposite of that is also true. And I had it last week where I was drawing a Sheldon, and as you maybe all know, Brad and I don't do warm-up sketches. We just go right to drawing, because I've been drawing for 20 years, and I know how to draw my characters. Yeah. And I drew what can only be described as not my character. It looked terrible. <laughs> and I tried to redraw it, also not working. I had a day where nothing was clicking. And so the opposite can also be true, where... You're like, I'm going to try to draw something. Hey, a perfect airplane. Hey, that horse riding a bicycle. It looks amazing. <laughs> I'll be dead uh, soon. I'll, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be dead. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then you'll have days where no matter what you do, your hand is like, I'm taking a day off. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm, look at, I'm, I'm going to go vacation in Duluth, Minnesota. I'll see you later. <laughs> How many artists do we have in here? Just uh, a now show listen, of hands. It's, 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 We won't be able to count everybody. That's but right. The, the crowd out of, is, the, out of the people that are here, lots of artists. Okay, there's an artist right over there. I love now, the little hand going yeah, up in the back. Yeah. Good oh, job. She's so embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't, do not you're, be embarrassed. Listen, out of all the places, this is the last place you're never going to get teased. You, nope. you, you found your tribe. Yes. We're, we're with you. We're one of you. We're all the same. And we, we do not even know you and we are proud of you. So yeah. do not be afraid Honest of being an goodness. artist. That's, it's a great thing to be an artist and, and uh, we are rooting for you as even as strangers. And so we don't. want your voice. That's important. Yes. We want to hear your yes. voice. What you have to say is significant. We want to hear it. So, but I want to get to my point. Yeah. I'm done buttering her up. By the way, my booth, and I'm selling books. <laughs> how many artists we have in here? We counted them all. Now, how many of you does this? I don't know that I've ever talked about this. This happens to me. I, t I went on vacation uh, for a little while when I turned 50, and I came back, and I'd been away from drawing for several days straight. Do you guys forget how to draw, too? Sometimes I forget how to draw. When I haven't been drawing for like a few days, that first time I sit down, I've forgotten how to draw. And I've got to like relearn. Like I'm having mini strokes. <laughs> it's like when I start making something, it's like this looks nothing the way it's supposed to. And I have to build back up to where I remember how to draw again. Yeah. And so I'm scared to like right now, I, I haven't been drawing the way I usually do. When I get back, honest to goodness, when I get back from, unless we get some serious studio, time uh i when i get back to philadelphia i'm gonna have to spend the next uh couple of days relearning how to draw does this happen to anybody else yeah all right thank you i'll, thank I'll tell you. you it happens to me and i think uh literally sometimes you're just your fine motor systems are like well we're taking a break now yeah. and we in, in the same way like have you ever had it where you wake up in the morning and then you have to go up your first flight of stairs and one knee for whatever reason is like i don't want to work today so you're like trying to swing a club leg up the stairs you're like what the heck is wrong with my knee or you know that kind of like basic musculature thing where and i think sometimes your hand is just like no nah, i don't want to do that yeah. I'm, i don't want to i so it's not like a brain hand connection. It's just the the physical muscles yeah. have kind of not atrophied, but they've they're not the same fluidity that you have when you're drawing every yeah. day. You Your know? hand is like, I'm still on break, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen, we've still got a little bit of time, and I feel like we should take some questions. Okay, yep. So does anybody out of all the people, and please, form an orderly line. Yeah, does anybody, and what we'll do is ask your question nice and loud for Duffy McGee, and then I'll repeat it for all the people in the back. Uh, anybody have a question? Any, you can you can pretend to be a five dollar Patreon backer if you're not. <laughs> we Go got ahead, one, Jim. Wait, 
Oh, you know what? I can even pass. Uh, the, come over to this one. We'll share. Here, we'll do this one. Oh, that? good idea. Big fan. Have all your albums. <laughs> um, my name's Jim. I'm an independent animator. And um, I'm wondering if you guys ever consider, like, I don't do comics, but I love your show. Do you ever consider the audience that doesn't do comics uh, when, you're, when you're bringing up topics and, and discussing things? I, you guys are kind of like the car guys of comics. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So that's it. Get my phone back. And I don't know which one's Frick or Frack. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but Brad Sotovoce goes, get my phone back. Get my... <laughs> I like oh, that Grandpa's nervous that he's going <laughs> to... Hey, Jim stole my phone. My phone back from that guy. Uh, that's, that, that's probably the nicest compliment that you can give us is to compare us to the Car Talk guys because the thing that made their show delightful was that they brought such a joy about... To being, transmissions. Yes. They brought this, joy to transmissions. Listen to us. We bring joy to lettering. You, I've, I've heard you talk about A-senders and D-senders with the same amount of passion that uh, these guys talked about manual transmission. Yeah. Uh, but but that, they brought so much joy that you could sit and listen to that show and not and be like me, uh, a very not, mecha- <laughs> very not mechanical person. And I, I loved their show. But it was all because of the joy and because they loved each other. And, and Dave and I have been, honest to goodness, we've been friends for 20 years. Uh, and we at, do a really good job of feigning loving one each other. Yes, or at least I do. Yeah. I think it's genuine on Brad's part. But I do a really good job, don't you think? Just by nodding that I do a really good job of faking it. There's and I, nothing worse than unrequited life, uh, love. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I was saying to somebody just today, Dave's the kind of friend, and I hope all of you either have this or develop it. Dave's the kind of friend that I could literally say the most vicious thing to him. I could I can unload on him, and he knows I'm not serious, and he knows that it, it, I could say. Oh, the, and not directed towards me. You're saying like it, you're like uh, something has irked you. No, I can say vicious things to you too. I can I can say things like ah, oh, geez, you know that nice haircut, buddy, or you know something right, yeah, like good that. Good job, champ. Wait a, wait a, yeah. And I know I'm never going to hurt Dave's feelings because our friendship has gone on for so long that he knows that at the heart of it, I love him. I like that your example of how our friendship works is that like I, I can be abusive to Dave and I he's can, fine with I it. I can say mean he's, things to and him. And I think that's the real mark of friendship is when you can emotionally right. abuse someone and they're like, all right, this seems okay. You're right. Like, that what is a great tw- example of friendship that, that was twisted. that you brought up. Yeah, yeah, that was really dark. I, I need to take some time with that. I, need, I, I may need to find a, lay down on a couch for a I, while. I feel like the, the hallmark of why David and my relationship work is I can trip him on the stairs and he's okay with that. He's, he's fine. He doesn't mind. He knows it's funny. He knows it's funny. He'll just tell somebody walked into a door, yeah. listen, he's going to be okay. We're laughing at urgent care. It's okay. He's enjoying the process. But no, okay, so to, answer, to actually answer that question, uh, do we consider yes we do and the reason why we consider it is we still talk about comics but uh if you're living life well even if you're not an artist there's a million ways you can be creative in your life and so we have sculptors painters uh uh landscape artists come up to us Uh, uh, you know what a guy that does um uh typesetting uh ancient typesetting yeah and he was talking about how it helped him uh sort of formulate how to approach his audience and, and to talk to them and to interact with them. And um, because I think if you are, uh, in our case, a cartoonist, but more broadly an artist, and you're trying to, to make the world a better place in your own small way with your art, and you're trying to be kind, and you're trying to, to share your passion for your art, um, I think a lot of that translates even if it's not specific to comics. In the same way that the car talk stuff, that passion and that excitement like, I could care less about an automatic or sh- gear shift transmission. Right. I know how to change my oil and spark plugs, and that's it. And then, But those guys, I would listen to them all day long because they were just, ha, 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 whatever that laugh yeah, was. And they loved the topic they were talking yeah. about. And they, they were having a good time, so I was having a good time. So right. when you say that we remind you of that, that's the best compliment that we could get. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It really Absolutely. is. Do we have any other questions? And it could be anything, by the way. Independent comics, the state of publishing, your own question about your own career, uh, things you've read, uh, curiosities about how Brad does his poses. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> Grooming tips. <laughs> we, can, we can do anything. 
uh, like a dancing monkey. Well, the fun thing, uh, just as a just as a fun little aspect of Brad's visit while he's here, he and I are going to be working in the studio together. Yeah, and it's going to be curious to see. Uh, uh, despite what he said about emotional abuse, he's a wonderful human being and friend. It's going to be interesting to see how we work together in a studio. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm very much a hermit. So just the, will we be able to tolerate each other? I don't know. I know. I, I'm starting to worry because just when I when you had to leave for a little bit and I was in your studio, uh, your music, I, I have no idea what's going on with your music. What were you listening to? It sounded like French countryside music. It was like folk music for... Uh for, for 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 banjo and flute, it was. I think one of the hallmarks of what makes our friendship good is that you can also criticize my music, and I think that's lovely. <laughs> that's a sign of a good friend is when they're like, "Whatever you're listening to was just a tremendous amount of crap." But I, I, what well, it works for you clearly. So actually, no, actually, what I was it wasn't listening that. To, it's just it's. I see in my studio, it's headphones, all headphones. Like you don't, I, I, oh. I you know, what I, and, and, and I can I can swing with it, but. But we we work so differently. It's going to be really interesting. And, yeah. and part of it is like I'm going to enjoy working in a different environment for yeah. a little while. Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's not going to kill me to listen to that horrible music that you've got on. <laughs> I can I can I can. So that people know what. Okay, so he he uh, identified it as weird French countryside. Is that what you said? Yeah, like a, yeah. I was like, it, first of all, it's Portuguese. That's one thing. It's Brazilian like jazz. That's, like it's that's Jao Gilberto, who, if anybody knows Jao Gilberto, is like amazing. That's, that's one of the that's one of the amazing best jazz musicians of, of the world. What I heard was not jazz. <laughs> wow. <laughs> The entire country of Brazil is now pissed at you. That's that's amazing. Uh, so okay, well, we're, we're what was go. what was Beth listening to? I think it was her music because when I was talking about this to her, and it's like, oh, you were listening to my music because that's what we had on when I was. Oh, in. she yeah, she has a. Uh, she and I thankfully the Venn diagram. Beth is my assistant that works in the studio, and uh, just for context, when I hired Beth. Uh, there's always a, a, an awkwardness for someone who's worked alone for years to just bring anyone, not doesn't matter who, anyone yeah. into your process because you're like, uh, I mean, imagine living alone for decades and then you have to suddenly have a roommate. It's a version of that, right? So you can all imagine that. So having Beth in the, at first it was like, ah, oh boy, how are we going to mesh our, the way we work? And then it was um, getting into sync and we know, like, I'll do this and you'll do this and then I'll pass this file over Dropbox and you'll take that and then I'll do this and I'll pass it back. And now it's gotten to the point where I'm terrified that she's going to leave because she because <laughs> you she, just got her broken in. No, but I mean she elevates everything. Yeah. We laugh a lot in yeah. the studio. It's delightful when when it clicks and it's wonderful. It makes the whole art process better. And anyway, so to to Brad's point about music, um, we have discovered where our Venn diagram of musical tastes cross over. You know what I mean? Like. I don't like necessarily this, so that's a we will we will never play that. She doesn't necessarily like this, so we will never play this. But everything that's in the center of our crossed Venn diagram circles will play that. And so uh, we've even we've even synced up on music. And so oh, uh, whatever weird choice you bring in this week is going to be fascinating <laughs> to see. <laughs> And that was one thing I liked about leaving newspapers. I used to work a deadline shift. Yeah. And I used to work with a guy that would bring in one of those old, old, like, uh, uh, cassette tape. Like, not not the boom box or something. It was that uh, brick cassette tape player sure. that Sears sold. Yeah. With the, the one t- where when you, when you put the cassette in, it kind of lit up on the side. You're like, oh, classy. Yeah. Wow. They lit up the cassette. I don't know why that was important. <laughs> yeah. But now I can see that my, my, my spoolie is coming out. But, uh, but, but, you know, the tin speaker. And he used to like a lot of the music from Cuphead, the video game. You know, that really, really fast piano jazz. Ding, 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 on a tin speaker and high-pitched piano tin. And he would play it on deadline. Oh, wow. And I would just sit there jangled. Yeah, your dentures are rattling. I'm assuming there are dentures. Oh, no. These chompers are real. don't grow this way. They had to be produced. No, but it was It was horrible. And, and and finally, you know, I got in. And, the, and when I worked, even when I had a studio and I was all by myself, I still put headphones on because I, I'm from the Midwest. I didn't want to bother the person in the next studio over. Right. The one that's running a bandsaw. I didn't want to bother that guy. Yeah. With I'm, my I'm music. Glad, I'm glad for the benefit of everyone that you did the audio for a bandsaw. <laughs> that was great. I think that, that benefited the whole crowd. This is theater of the imagination. <laughs>
Well, any last minute topics we want to talk about here while we're in Huntington Beach, or shall we, or shall we wrap it for the day with a big thank you? I, uh, unless there's any other questions, any here's other, your, any here's other your thoughts, last comments, chance. questions? Your last chance. Yes. Uh, well, here, I'll pass you Brad's phone and microphone. You'll get the duo yeah. here. Yeah. I promise to give it back. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hi. Uh, so nice to meet you guys in person. Very nice to meet you. Thank you. Um, I was going to ask if there's any room in your careers for sort of continuing education, you know, like if, um, you know, how they do like a 24-hour comics day or something like that. I don't know if you have room for that or how you kind of push yourself to not kind of get stuck doing what you always do kind of thing. So I do. Actually, my continuing education is continuing education. In other words, I uh, teach uh, at, at different uh, universities. And what happens when you're up there teaching, like I, I teach an arts business class, I teach a sequential art class, and I'm currently teaching a storytelling class. And what happens when you're doing that is you're, you're, you're sharing your experience and your knowledge with a younger generation, which actually really appeals to me. Uh, no kidding. Like yeah, I really paying it forward. like yeah. that aspect. Uh, because as we said on the show, I think last episode, we never had that. In our, we didn't have mentors when it was web comics. The older generation was actively trying to stop us because we were encro- encroaching upon their territory. Web comics was going to kill syndicated comics. So our generation of mentors were very standoffish towards us. Now that we're at that point when we can share, it's a joy to be able to share that. And so I've been teaching at the college level for years now. And what that does is you share something with a younger person. It's a beautiful thing. You share years and years of advice with a young person who's just there to soak it all up. And they take that advice and they say, that's not how you do it. (laughs) I didn't see that coming. Or they say, Uh, that got me. Why do you do it that way? And then you've got to answer that. That's my continuing education. Oh, right, right. Because what happens right. is, here's a, here's a great example, the crossbar I. Everybody know what I'm talking about, the crossbar I? With, with, a, with a capital I, you don't use the serifs unless you're using the personal pronoun. Uh, you, and most comics lettering is all caps, although that's not quite the case anymore. But you don't use the uh, capital I with serifs unless it's the personal pronoun. And I was sharing that. And the person in the front row says, Why? What, is it, what does it matter? What difference does it make? And I had to, all of a sudden, this rule that I had assumed and I hadn't questioned and I had heard from Nate Picos and he is going to forget more about lettering in the next five minutes than I'm going to learn in a lifetime. He said it. I believed it. I put it into play. And now this person asks me. And now you have to justify the that. killer question. Right. Why? And I had to look at it and then... That's my continuing education because now I know why. It's all about kerning. Those serifs push the surrounding letters yeah. out too far to be kerned correctly, and it doesn't look right. You have the negative space in the in the yes, concaveness of the eye. Yeah. That's why. That's my continuing education is is putting up with those snot nosed little people who are who are asking who are daring to defy what the- love from you. <laughs> What what a joy filled heart it is to be around, Brad Geiger. <laughs> but that's that's the truth. It's like now I've got to stand. I've got to answer that question or figure it out, right? Uh, the other one, the great one. Uh, this was a beautiful one. Can I? I I'm going to vamp just for a little while. Sure, longer, vamp but away. I, I've got to share this. We were talking about the hero's journey, and we were talking about and and that's like if if you've seen Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie. That follows a hero's journey path. And there are archetype characters in the hero's journey. There's a hero. There's a mentor. There's a threshold guardian. There's the villain. There's the shadow. There's, the, there's an ally. There's, an, there's all these uh, archetypes. archetypes yeah. And one hand goes up in the back of my storytelling class and says, What's, how come there's not an archetype for damsel in distress? Every one of these, almost every one of these hero's journey stories has a damsel in distress. There was Princess Leah. She was a damsel in distress. How come that isn't codified under hero's journey as an archetype? And I had to answer that question. How come that's not an archetype? And I stopped and I thought and I said, I'll tell you the answer. And it's not a polite answer. The answer is, is because that damsel in distress isn't 
a archetype. It's not a character. If all that person is is somebody to be rescued, it's an object. Yeah, and that actually and that speaks talks, to the patriarchal nature of traditional storytelling. And I said, and, t- and, and so if you find yourself writing a character who's an object, that's telling you you're not writing a character, you're writing a thing, and you need to do better. Right. So that's why Damsel in Distress isn't an archetype, because it's not a character, and it's actually a warning to you that you need to do better. If that's your character, if all she exists there, and it, let's face it, it's usually a she... If she exists there just to be rescued, she's not a character, and you need you need to up your game. You, you need to up your game. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, I want to uh, do two things. I want to echo a part of what you said to answer your question, and then I want to answer your question in my way. So one of the things that I found interesting in teaching, one of the things you have to do is in reevaluating the why, right? Which is what that student's question yeah. was. Um, you have to do what I think you and I have had to do many times in our career, which is. If I were starting this process now, would I set it up the way it's been done the last 50 years? Would I set it up the way it's been done the last 20 years? And one of the reasons why we would get in fights with syndicated guys is because they would say, well, this is the way it's been done since Sparky started in 1950. And it's like, yeah, but start it today. Would you design a comic strip the way the square of peanuts was designed? And why did Sparky do that? So that it could be stacked, so that it could be done as a row, so that it could be done flat. Like, there's no reason why Akewood has to look that way or Harka Vagrin has to look that way, right? So that was the arguments we would have back then. But um, so that's that part of the question. And then to answer your question, were you asking specifically about continuing education for ourselves or for other people? Okay, so Brad got the answer wrong. I'm, now no, I'm no, saying, no, I got no, the answer I, right. My continuing education oh, is I see, that yes, moment. I see, yes, you're right. Yeah. The, that's right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw Grandpa under the bus. Holy I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, so to answer your question for me, listen, I guess I'm also emotionally abusive. Our friendship is emotionally abusive, isn't it? <laughs> You're just we're realizing just, this? We're just jerks to each other. We just, it's lovingly being You've jerks to each other. You've heard of a mutual admiration society? <laughs> yeah, this we ain't, ain't that. that. We, we ain't that. <laughs> uh, so, um, so the way I do it, I'll tell you, and I talked about it, I don't know if you've heard the most recent episode that just went up about Alaska, the Alaska Comics Camp. Um, because I've been bad about this, and I realized that in the course of that Alaska uh, comics camp was that I needed to, ha- to let myself play as an adult. I needed to let myself let my hair down a little bit, that it can't all be go, 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 business, business, deadline, deadline, um, produce, produce, produce. Um, Jake Parker has a wonderful uh, metaphor about the creative bank account that you can't keep making withdrawals from your creative bank account. You have to fill it up. And you have to fill it up with experiences. You have to fill it up with sharing time with other human beings. You have to read more. You have to watch more. You have to look at the world, right? You can't just be in your same four white-walled room cartooning away, or else you're going to keep writing about the same four white walls as you cartoon away. You know, you have to go out and experience and hear human voices. And so for me, the continuing education of going to that comics camp in Alaska was uh, eye-opening for a lot of reasons. One, I saw how much I've been shorting myself on the continuing education and paying forward into my bank account and making deposits into that bank account. And also um, just how wonderful it is when cartoonists share with one another. Um, I was talking uh, this morning, actually, with Stefan Pastis, who does a comic strip called Pearls Before Swine, a beautiful comic strip. He also does a a wonderful book for kids called Timmy Failure. And he was like, um, uh, we were talking in general, I was like, I'm I'm always in admiration, and my whole family loves your books, and thank you for what you do. And I I was saying, you know, it's lovely as an artist to another artist to say, Brad, I really appreciate your work, thank you for what you do. But as a parent, it is a unique and joy-filled thing to see another artist and say, thank you for making my child happy. Thank you for teaching my child. Thank you for doing that. And so when you get to meet an artist and you can thank them on behalf of what they've done for your child, it's a unique sort of joy. And I had said that to Stefan. And he said, well, I want to thank you because your model teaches me a lot of the ways uh, I'd like to do things differently, and I'd like to talk to you about that. And I was like, great. And I said to him, uh, the one beautiful thing about the world we're entering into and live in as cartoonists is that Brad's success doesn't mean my failure. So I am so happy to help in Stefan's continuing education. And that Alaska comics camp also reminded me that there were 78 other cartoonists there that were more than happy to help me become a better cartoonist. Like my success didn't indicate or hurt their success at all. You know, Mm -hmm. it didn't, it didn't hurt them to help elevate me because we all have, it's no longer this mass publishing market where uh, for Harry Potter to succeed, 
40 other books have to be taken off bookshelves. It's yeah. not a limited space. For me to succeed, Brad can succeed. And so why not help Brad? Why not help all of you? Why not you help me whenever you learn something new? And so uh, Alaska was really wonderful in reinforcing that in my mind, that how wonderful it is that we're living in an age of cartooning where we can keep teaching each other, and it doesn't hurt us at all. If anything, it's a rising tide that lifts all the boats. Right. Think? And that's the wonderful thing. That's really why I do like webcomics.com and the, the webcomics handbook and the show yeah, comic because lab. because you know what happens? I'm sorry to cut you off, but when Brad shares at webcomics.com, other cartoonists go, well, did you know also you can do this? Right. And Brad goes, oh. amazing. I never would have saw that, seen that shortcut or, or that way of doing it. That just happened on the Discord server where I, I shared a pro tip and, the, and, and one of our Patreon backers said, there's actually an easier way to do that and it's a better way and here's how it works. And, and, the, but, and the great thing about sharing knowledge and sharing information and sharing experience is that you can, you can put that out there and then that person takes that thing that you gave them and they go out and they don't do what you thought they were going to do with it. Oh, they do yeah. something different and better and, better. and beautiful yeah. and unexpected. And it's like, oh, I gave you that umbrella to keep you out of the rain and you turned it into... A cute duck pond, you know, yes. upside down to hold little ducks, you know. Oh, and thank you for... I had no idea where I was going with that You started down the road and like metaphor. a friend, I saw that you had no way to save it. And so I was like, mm, got to dive in there for my friend. What am I going to do with that umbrella? See, we're not all abusive. Nothing. We can also uh, help each other. <laughs> sometimes you're there for me. I appreciate that. But yeah, that's what happens. Where there was only one set of footprints, that's when I gave you a duck and an umbrella metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shucks. Well, listen, I, uh, what time is it? Well, on that note, I'm going to say you've been listening to Comic Lab, the podcast about making comics. And making a living con from comics. <laughs> I've been Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Link. And I'm his, I guess, somewhat emotionally abusive friend, Dave Kellett, oh, uh, the creator of Drive and are. Sheldon and co-director of the comic strip documentary Stripped. And this comics advice show has been brought to you by our supporters at Patreon. So if you are not a Patreon backer now, go out there and become a Patreon backer. You'll get the second podcast we do every week that's exclusively for podcast backers. And you can do that all at patreon.com slash comic lab. And listen, as you all file out, there's only two doors for all 500 of us. So let's make it orderly. Take there's no need to trample. That's uh, right. And Brad and I, if you, if you do want to uh, sketches or just a photo, we'll, we'll, take, uh, we'll take all these lines that are already forming yeah, on the form, side of the stage. As, as, I, <laughs> as I got used to saying in high school, form an orderly line. <laughs> to who? <laughs> to all the girls that wanted to date me. Oh, I see. To me, the pitch would have been to, to all the other people in the D&D club that were like <laughs> <laughs> waiting for you to roll. Well, listen, out of the two, you know which one was a lot more realistic. <laughs> but honestly, on a personal level, thank you all for making this trek. This was a ridiculously long trek, and oh, we, yeah. we really do appreciate it. We all have an hour walk back to the to the show. We may, want, to we may want to go in groups, because they may have spotted some wolves along the way. I, I, <laughs> we, may, we, may, we may not want to... My mouth stopped working. <laughs> we may want to huddle together on the way back for just, warmth. Just, yes, just, yes. Because it's going to be a, it's going to be a two night trip to get back to the to the to the pier. So pack we're gonna... a picnic lunch is what I'm saying. I know it. It speaks to uh, how old we are. We're like, oh, this is quite a quite a walk. <laughs> I was out of breath, and Dave goes, "It's 11:55. You've got to walk faster." And I'm like, "I'm walking as fast as I walk." <laughs> <laughs> so that's our, our cry for help. If anyone has a car, <laughs> we'd love a ride. No, I'm just kidding. We're or, not gonna... or, or a wheelbarrow or, or an upside umbrella at this point. Yeah, if you could dump out the little ducklings and we'll, we'll try to scoot home on that. But honestly, thank you guys for coming. I hope you enjoy the rest of the weekend. And do go see the artists that have traveled farthest for this. Yeah. Uh, uh, I came all the way from Philadelphia. That's <laughs> not what I expected you to say. Uh, Boulet is here. Max de Herberg, I can never pronounce his name, uh, is here. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, Bagliu, Penelope Bagliu, if I'm pronouncing that right, is here. She's amazing. Uh, so go go catch those when you're here. Uh, they are amazing. And thank you all. Thank Have a you. wonderful weekend. 